Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Doing our series in leadership and authority, and I don't know about you, but this, uh, I feel like every day just seems like exponentially crazier in our country. Um, all the things that are going on, it was, it's actually been really hard for me preparing messages because I have to really try not to just want to talk about all the different uh, things going on and really stay focused to make it a spiritual talk and not just talk my own thoughts or ideas about all these different things. I mean, you guys have already heard of enough, enough opinions from everybody and their mother, right? Um, <laughs> What what I think is just uh, everything that everyone is doing right now is sharing their thoughts on every single situation. Um, even if it's trying to not talk about what's going on, it's like trying to lead the direction of like, we need to just share some positive stuff. There's too much chaos in the world. And even just desire to share like positiveness instead of like all the crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. And what it shows is that every single person has a level of personal leadership and influence in their life. And you see that through social media. You see every person giving um, a direction, an opinion, an influence in some way. And some are more uh, uh, intentional than others. Um, But the whole premise of even just social media is is influencing and reaching others. And so today, that's really all that we're talking about is personal leadership and authority within an individual's life. And like I said last week, everything rises and falls on leadership. And God can use both good and bad leadership. Um, and so I want us to remember that as we continue to talk about leadership and authority this whole month. Um, real quick, I want to say hey to Bert, uh, Crystal, Viola, Edward. I'm glad that you guys could all tune in. We love you guys. Hope y'all are having a good weekend so far. Um, so starting off, I want us to do a breakdown of levels of influence and reach. Um, let's just look at a personal breakdown. Every individual has an influence with their family, their friends, and their facilities. Facilities being either workplace or school, um, but whether it's friends, family, or facilities, we have influence in every single one of those areas. Mm-hmm. And each of those, uh, at every level of influence, um, every person at every level of influence, uh, from parent to child, from child to parent, from boss to employee, employee to boss, from friend to friend, and even a friend of a friend, mm-hmm. we influence and reach people across. And I want you to just like, let's take a step at even the parent to child relationship. Maybe you don't have kids. You're like, well, I'm not influencing my family because I don't have kids. Well, coming from a, uh, a new parent and knowing uh, the influence I've had with my parents, even children influence and, and, and reach their parents even though they're the child. Mm-hmm. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And anyone with kids, especially older kids, will be able to tell you that their children are an influence on them. They, they really develop how they see the world. Mm-hmm. Even just my girls, as young as they are, they have changed my outlook on life in certain ways. And 
The same goes from a boss to an employee. The boss is not just the influencer. The employee influences the boss. I mean, even just think about customer to a company relationship. Usually the company would be the one leading what is coming out next, but it, even today it's recognized that customer is key, that every great company always asks for reviews and surveys all the time on how they can do better so that the customer can lead in the process. Um, and so the the trend that I'm just trying to, to get you to receive is that we influence on every single level, whether good or bad. Even the friend-to-friend ratio, we have influence on our friends. I mean, if you don't think that's true, just think about the, the influence your friends have on you. The times that you're like, no, I'm not going to go out tonight. I'm not. I can't. <laughs> but by the end of a little bit of conversation and a couple more asks, so that pressure comes on and all of a sudden you're out and it's 2 o'clock in the morning like, oh, I wasn't even supposed to come out tonight. <laughs> Your friends influence you to do something. And even a friend of a friend has influence to develop you, to change you, and you to them. That, that what you impact on your friends, they impact on the friends that you don't even know about. And so recognizing that each of us have a level of influence and reach is the first step to really taking ownership of the responsibility of leadership and authority that God has given us. Now, I want us to, I want us to understand that if once we accept that we have this influence, we need to understand that our reach goes so much further than what we are able to see. And I want to give the example of Paul in the Bible. Paul is one of the most amazing apostles. He wrote uh, 70% of the New Testament. And when he was writing those writings, he had no idea that he was writing things that were going to be printed for, for thousands of years. And I want us to look all the way back in Galatians chapter 2. Verses 11 through 16. I'm going to read these verses real quick. This is when Paul was not the the apostle. He was barely a disciple. He just got converted from uh, from attacking Christians to all of a sudden going blind and Jesus himself bringing Paul to to salvation and showing him the light, literally. Um, And Paul is now a new convert and he's a baby Christian just getting started at this point of the story. It says here, but when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, Since you, a Jew by birth, have discovered, uh, discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow Jewish traditions? You and I are Jews by birth, but not sinners, quote-unquote, like these Gentiles, yet We know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with uh, with God by obeying the law. 
Now, I wanted to read all of that scripture because I just thought it was so good. Mm -hmm. The main point that I'm getting across is that Paul shares this huge exhortation to Peter. Peter, the like the on this rock I will build my church. Jesus told Peter, the cornerstone of the church, Peter, big dude, main uh, the main influence brought like totally led Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down, and Paul, being just new to the scene, is correcting him in front of everybody. What we're seeing is that his reach. Even though he saw, thought little of himself, his moral principles of right and wrong went beyond his, uh, his insecurities or his self-image, and he did what was right. And his reach went not just to Peter, it wasn't just Peter, but his reach was to everybody that Peter was uh, indirectly influencing. It says all these people were, people were led astray by Peter's hypocrisy at this moment. And just as one bad decision from a leader will, in, will reach more than wanted, so the good influence of a leader can reach, reach more than expected. And we see that in this moment, Peter really received this correction and realized it was wrong, understood that, and there was a change. Not only was it a change in one individual, but that reach went beyond to all the other people here, and all the people for thousands of years to come to where we read it today. Do you think that in this moment, Paul was thinking when he spoke out for a simple injustice, that he was thinking this is going to change the world? Mm -hmm. No, he had no perception of the ripple effect, the, the huge rock dropped in the water that was going to happen when he said this to Peter. But that's how unexpectedly powerful our reach is as individuals. And so stop thinking that you don't make a difference. Even when people don't say something to you, doesn't mean that they are not thinking about you or what example you set. Mm -hmm. If we are willing to be patient in planting this, these seeds, the orchards that we plant will grow for the people of tomorrow. The things that we do that are right, the, uh, the right things, uh, reach that we have now will reach far into the future for people to come. You know, I know that was a lot uh, to compact in, but what do you think about what I just shared in that point, Lauren? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of different thoughts and um, that I had with that, so I want to make it clear. But, um, you know, one thing I, I remembered is when someone once told us, like, if you don't stand, or maybe you said it, um, if you don't stand for anything, you'll fall for everything mm. or something like that. So, you know, it made me think of this story. Like, we know... We know Peter was like this big dog on campus. Like, you know, he, he loved Jesus. He was serving him, all that stuff. And But it makes me think of sometimes in our life. Like, yes, we, we're, we're standing for God. We love him. But just like you mentioned, our moral compass, though, mm -hmm. like those inner things the, that we stand for, the really integrity. Yeah. You know, what what are we holding, you know, as like there, this is an absolute in my life, yeah. you know, I will not, you know, be a hypocrite in these. If I believe this, then I'm going to stand for this. If I believe that, then I'm going to yeah. stand for that. And the story, you know, made me think of like just the, the temptation of us to throw out our moral compass in these times to please people. And, and that's exactly what he was trying to do there. And without even realizing he was going to come across and really fall into becoming a, a hypocrite, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and at the expense of others, he thought he was there pleasing those around him. Yeah. But really the example that he was setting to his followers and other people, yeah. it, it was the wrong example, you know? And so I guess 
you know, what it made me think of is that we have to know what we stand for, especially morally. And it even makes me think of like right now in these times, you know, I'm not asking everyone to share what they stand for. Everybody has their own opinions right now. There's so much information being given out. There's so many things to try to gather. And if we're not careful, we're going to gather all these random pieces and just come up with this really weird, you know, um, thing. And, and the thing is, is so many of us are sharing those opinions and sharing those thoughts, um, you know, which I think, you know, is um, important, especially if you're, you know, an influencer to whatever degree that you are. But we have to be careful, I guess, yeah. is my point, you know, because we have to know that we are um, influencing people whether we realize it or not. You know, people are hearing us and listening to us. And if people don't even know what's going on, but they're just reading your post to figure out what's yeah. going on, you have to know that 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 is shaping what other people think and so I guess um it just made me think of a lot like of knowing what you stand for because if not you'll fall for anything especially right now you'll fall for everything that CNN tells you if you (laughs) want to just sit there and watch CNN and you just believe everything you hear you're just gonna fall for like oh my gosh we're we're all dead (laughs) like that's it you know um but if you really begin to think for yourself understand what your core beliefs are understand what your moral beliefs are like you have to stand firm and remember that it doesn't only affect your life, but those around you. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so those are some things I think of. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. and I really like that, you know, there's so much passion that you're showing and just the basics of knowing right and wrong mm-hmm. and really just having a solid foundation of your belief system because it is so e- I mean, for me, I, I have a strong, like, um, sense of direction when it comes to what I believe yeah. and I have like pretty strict moral principles and even uh, beyond that like even just like uh, my ideology is pretty set but when I look at uh, there's a plethora of information there's an abundance of news and they all contradict each other it's really confusing and I can literally just listen to one uh, news outlet and I was like, oh my gosh, like the whole world is ending. I, I had no idea. And then I'll, and if I listen to another one, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, this isn't that bad. It's just like a lot of political stuff. Yeah. And, and then I'll go to another one like, oh my gosh, like I didn't even know that there's so much, so much problems going on. We need to do something. And then I look at another one and it's the exact opposite. Yeah. And the point I'm getting at is that if, if we just go with whatever direction that, that we listen to at the time, we're going to be just lost and just going in circles of yeah. agreeing with something and then two days later disagreeing with it and then three days later going back to it. And maybe some of you felt like that. Yeah. I do want to point out, though, that in this story, that a lot of people, they, they don't always, uh, some people don't think that the Bible applies to today. This specific story alone is talking about discrimination within two different people's groups. And it's talking about the Gentiles, which were not Jews, being discriminated for not being Jewish. And it's just like, even right here, the early church is battling discrimination and and, and how they handle it. And so we'll get more into that later. But I just, um, I really love that Paul being having every motivation to be timid spoke up for what he thought was right and it is important for us to speak up for what is right not for a a swaying of uh, an agenda or political notion but simply for what is right and what is wrong Um, and 
with ending this this thought on our personal um, influence and reach, I I have to say that lifestyle speaks the world uh, uh, speaks to the world of of what we really stand for. Um, in First Timothy four twelve, it says, "Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity." And this verse is so powerful because Paul's saying, "Just be the example." Yeah. Be the example. It's not as much about what you say, but how you live. Yeah. People will respect what you say when you when you live in a way that is an example. And at each level, we have an incredible influence by the example we set with our lives and our lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And our lifestyle can either make us quick, uh, can really make us quickly into a naive or hypocritical person to others if we live it carelessly. The way that we talk and what we talk about matters. And what I'm getting at is that even like right now, it, uh, every uh, I feel like there's so many seasons that we go through in our world and our country. And um, I really, uh, I really resonate with the founder of I think it's uh, Seco, the the lady that makes the sandals. Mm, yeah, I don't something. Oh, like I forgot. The lady who makes sandals. Uh, well, anyway. Mm-hmm. Now she's she's a I forgot her name guys I'm so sorry this is embarrassing well anyway in her journey to being where she's at now now uh, she's uh, the the founder of a company that sells sandals and and fashion and stuff like that uh, by by women in I believe Uganda that make the items and everything that's sold it goes to paying for them to be able to get out of their impoverished um, villages and and. Uh, places to be able to go to school like it's just like set up to be a total benefit for them and it's just like the most amazing uh, business and uh and it's all towards helping a culture of people and when she first started out though she talks about how she was so passionate about third world countries and so passionate about women's rights and and uh in third world countries and then one day she she had this question within herself and she she asked herself, do I even know a, a, a woman that has been through all the things that I'm trying to stand up for? Do, do I even have one friend that has been through the things that I'm trying to say that I care so much about? And she, she didn't. And she realized that she felt like she was living this complete lie. And so she ended up quitting her job and moving to Uganda with the goal of finding one friend to make so that she can really make her life uh, her example set, uh, to reflect what she believed in her heart. And it was from there that she actually started to make, yeah, Liz Bohan, and there we go, uh, the author of Beginner's Pluck. That is exactly who I'm talking about. Thank you, Crystal. <laughs> um, read her story. It is so amazing. And she talks about, uh, Liz Bohan talks about how her main goal was to make one friend so that it would reflect what she believed so strong in her heart because what she stood for didn't reflect in her lifestyle. And and in the same way with everything going on, I mean, I think it's sometimes when I when I hear certain people post like crazy political stuff like this person's a this person's a crook. No, that person's a crook. And I just want to ask him like, did you vote last year? Like, did you vote? Just tell me, please. Because so many times people are shouting and they didn't even get, they didn't even vote when they they had the chance and and now it's just like this this loudspeaker of what's happening next and I'm talking about not just political stuff but 
even uh, just like people, there's been so many times that even as a church, people have come up to me like, well, you know, I see y'all are doing great and stuff, but have you done anything to help the homeless? And I'm, I'm like, we have, but I was like, what have you done? Well, I'm just saying you're the church. It's like, you're going to criticize us and you haven't even done jack for them? Well, I try to, you know, I give money out when I can. It's like, you're not doing anything. <laughs> and there's so many times where our lifestyle doesn't reflect what we say we believe in. We say we love peace, but we fight with all of our families. Mm-hmm. Y'all get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so we have to really make our lifestyle fit those beliefs before we just start saying all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to go into our next point now, which is obligations of responsibility. We have an obligation as Christians. The Bible says that that if we know what we ought to do but not do it, it is sin. Once we become Christians, it's not just about don't do this, don't do that. It, it's not just about not being a terrible person. It's actually having to be a good person. There's no middle point. And we are obligated to give testimony of right and wrong. And even our conscience will bear witness against us on judgment day. I want to read y'all Romans 2, 15 through 16. It says, They show that, they, that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts. Their consciences also bear witness and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and at other times even defending them. They will take place on the day this will take place on the day when God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ as my gospel declares. This is Paul pretty much saying that the thoughts that you have like, oh man, I should have done something, that your thoughts will be before you to where you, there's no excuse. God's going to say, why didn't you do when, I, when you even everything in you was saying to do it? And what, what I'm saying is not to make us scared, but to, to put some motivation that there is a responsibility that we have to meet as Christians. And we are obligated to fulfill that, to be good people. And every single individual has an influence, even if they are silent. It is impossible to not communicate. A big thing that you're seeing right now on social media is... You're either, you're either for this or you're not. And if you say nothing, then you're not. It, it's like if you, even if you don't say anything, you're picking a side. And it's, it, that's, it, the essence of that is true. I don't agree with the, the, some of the motivation behind it to push people in a place of, uh, of division. But the idea of it is true that to say nothing, if, if a woman was being raped in front of me, and I did nothing or said nothing, I would be just as guilty for not doing what was right. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And as leaders, as people of influence, we need to be pointed in the right direction because we have the potential to make a difference in everything that we're a part of. Even our workplaces, our schools, so many of us are just trying to coast, just trying to make it through the next day, and we have no direction in what we're really doing. We're not trying to make a difference anywhere. Some of us, it's because we feel like we can't, and that's a lie. We need to understand that our opinion matters. Your opinion matters. And um, uh, your opinion matters. <clears throat> um, and the I don't know and I don't care attitude, uh, it just is a culture that is dead, and it's not going to work anymore. It should have died a long time ago, and we cannot just continue to to try to stay out of it. It 
uh, our culture going through a time where we're being forced to be involved, whether we we'd want to or not, it's that time is over. There's no way we can sit on the sidelines anymore. And it the the what it, even though it is very uncomfortable, the truth is is when you don't voice your opinion, others will choose that opinion for you. And I feel like that is really where we have come to as a country, as a people, is that we've remained silent for so long that people that we would have never wanted to speak for us are speaking for us now. And when it comes into us stepping into this new role, we have to understand that morality is our core responsibility. Morality is our core responsibility. It, it's one thing to have opinions, but it's a whole nother ballgame, something that must be done to have morals. To give opinions and, and, uh, is just, it just is like, um, it's throwing pebbles into the ocean compared to giving our, having our morality to stand on. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, it says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and be enslaved to money. And what, what this verse really speaks is that without morality, you're always going to be trying to go this way and that way. You're going to be a person of duality. You're going to be a person of, uh, um, that is double-minded, starting one way but then turning that way. And without, uh, just as, um, just as a, a ship without a rudder is just lost at sea, so it is with uh, us without morality. The, the rudder is morality and we, uh, and our lives are the ships and the winds of the times are always changing. And so if we don't have morality set on a course, then we're going to just always be spinning in circles whichever way the wind takes us in that time of age. And um, I, I also have to say that morality trumps opinions and feelings. Morality, just being right and wrong it goes beyond an opinion. It goes beyond feeling. We can develop feelings and we can develop opinions from our moralities. But if we were to do opinions and feelings first, we're going to be all kinds of confused because we are fickle people. We feel good one day and bad the next. We feel compassionate one day and the next day we feel mean and cold hearted. Think about it. Uh, we could just have a bad uh, a bad day to where we treat an, a stranger completely different than if we were to have a good day. We cannot base our feelings first. We have to base our morality first. Morals are obligated. And so that leaves us into our, our final direction. And this is really where I want to share the most. And it's the idea that as Christians, again, as Christians, as Christians, followers of Christ, we are to be striving to be at peace with all. That is that uh, even as Christians, we're destined to be persecuted, but the Bible still tells us to be at peace with all. We are called to be peacemakers. I want to read you all a couple verses. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. The peacemakers will be called the children of God. In Romans twelve eighteen, it says, "Do all." Uh, in twelve, uh, sorry, Romans twelve sixteen and eighteen, it says, "Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone." Simple as that. Do all that you can to live in peace 
with everyone. All that you can to live in peace with everyone. Those are a bunch of absolutes there. <clears throat> and it says, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think that you know it all. That is, don't think that you know it all. What that implies is that when we do think we know it all, it is a hindering block for us to be at peace with people. Think about even just the people that aggravate you right now are usually the people that act like they know it all. In this time, we've had the most ordinary people become experts of everything, right? We've had ordinary people that all of a sudden became experts of, of health and concern and, and what, is, uh, what is actually healthy, what's not healthy. We've had people become uh, experts in law. We've had people become experts in history, experts in, in, uh, in other countries too, not even just our country, experts in every country and how they do things and other people do things. We've had people become experts in civil rights and what is, uh, what is right and what is wrong. And we've had experts even find out what's true or not, what's, that, what's actually happening and what's not happening. And everyone seems to just know it all. And I was like, man, why are you working at McDonald's when you obviously have all this, you're, you're a genius, you know? It, and it's just this idea that we often think so highly of ourselves that we act and behave like we know it all. Y'all know what I'm saying? It, and the, the truth is we need to just calm down, take a breath, understand that we, we do not have all the answers and that we should be looking at what we can have peace with somebody else instead of just fighting on what we disagree with. We should bridge principles, not feelings. We, we can have bad feelings towards somebody, but still bridge a principle with each other. Y'all dig what I'm saying? We can feel different about something, but still bridge something together. And this idea um, is that we must consider more perspectives than just our own. We must consider more perspectives than just our own. The way that we are brought up, we have to, the way our culture is, the way that, of what we are used to, we have to be willing to accept different perspectives than just my own. And I want to be very, very clear that I'm talking on a full spectrum of everybody, not trying to say this side or that side needs to be more open-minded. I'm saying we all encompass all you need to be more open-minded to, uh, to different perspectives, more than just our own. With that being said, division in this divisive culture is only destructive. In Mark chapter 3, verse 24 through 25, it's, Jesus says, A kingdom divided by civil war will collapse. Similarly, a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. In 2 Timothy 2.24, it says a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to reach, to, to be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Jesus is saying, uh, Paul is saying that we should be, learn how to, be, uh, how to be patient with difficult people. Are you not finding the most difficult people in the world right now just on your phone? You didn't even know that you were friends with them. You're like, man, this is the most difficult person I've ever met. And here it's, uh, I've been hearing, uh, the most, um, the most I've been hearing is the, the most common phrase that I've been hearing is that if you disagree with me, unfriend me. And 
like I get I get the idea behind it. I get the principle, especially when it's strong moral principles that stand behind. I get that. But as Christians, we Jesus does not exemplify an unfriend me attitude even towards Judas. Think about that for a second. Even while he was being crucified, he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And so as Christians, our heart cannot be divisive. We cannot look to to anything to divide us, especially for our fellow Christians. Let that settle in. For our fellow Christians, we are supposed to be the body of Christ united. And we, even though we have a lot of disagreements, we still are going to have to see each other in heaven one day. And so this idea is like, well, don't unfriend me now because uh, we disagree. What's going to happen when you show up to heaven in line together and you're both facing Jesus and y'all are both unfriending each other and you're just like, well, what happened here? Well, he and he and she and... Just get what I'm saying? Heaven is an eternal place, eternity, forever. And if we can't get along here over online, we're not even next to each other, how are we going to handle an eternity with each other? Y'all dig what I'm saying? And of course, it's like God is going to do a miracle in, in making our hearts pure and right. But the, the heart that I'm talking about is that this verse even says to be patient with difficult people. Don't just cut them off. Don't just cut them off, but be patient. And, and even in my heart, I have opinions too. I have strong opinions. But guys, even in, as a pastor, more so as a Christian, I choose uh, I choose a level of reserve in how I share my opinion and my thoughts because I don't want to just have a, if you don't agree with me, unfriend me attitude. I want to bring a bridge to perspective instead of just, it's either this way or not. It, guys, there's, there's, there's some things that we really need to agree on. And there's some things that there's no doubt that we disagree on. We need to look at the things we bridge instead of just canceling people out. I hope that this is resonating and speaking to you guys because our hearts should look at everyone through the eyes of the cross. Forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. If we, if we don't allow love to bridge the gaps between our differences, then we only push uh, these people away to make bigger and long-lasting enemies. Love is the gap. It bridges the gap to our differences, even extreme differences. And we have to look at people with the eyes of Jesus on the cross. Jesus says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. If our hearts were to really be formed like that, imagine the kind of different conversations we'd be able to have with each other. There'd be so much more perspective and a unified bridge of a direction rather than just complete opposites. And I want to read this final, uh, uh, this, this story, um, this story in Acts chapter 7 verses 57 through 60. In this story, it's a person named Stephen. And Stephen was put in charge of the soup kitchen in the early church. And he was put in charge 
Because in the early church, certain people were being discriminated against because of their nationality. Again, it's a lot with what's going on right now. And because there is discrimination in the early church, someone that was spirit-filled and wise was put over the soup kitchen. Think about how this would normally work out in a normal church. Church today. If something was going on in a volunteer hospitality team, well, I feel like they always give out the, the good creamer to the early church, and they're the Spanish service, and when we come afterwards, none of the good creamers left. It, it's, that's literally the scenario. What would a leadership team normally do? They would just ignore it, right? <laughs> just ignore it, hope that it goes away, or just put a volunteer and just tell them like, hey, just work this out, put more creamer, whatever. What the apostles did is that they put a spirit-filled team together a, a, with wisdom. And it said that Stephen was ministering to the people that were just coming for soup. And that he would even help give perspective to, uh, on the issues that were going on to a point where a group of Christians were so, had such a violent disagreement with Stephen that they were arguing with him heavily, and, and Stephen starts giving some history on where they've come from and leading, into, um, and leading into Christ. They got so outraged by his, by his disagreement in this, this issue that was going on that we're going to pick up here. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. We read about him earlier. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Guys, is this not a depiction of a personified story of what we are going through right now? I mean, closing their ears and yelling, that's literally how I read some people's posts online. It just seems like they're so mad and just yelling like, no, you can't convince me otherwise. And it says, and then they stoned him to death. And guys, you just read a couple comments on some of these posts, and people were just throwing everything they got to try to hurt the person that posted this or posted that. And did Stephen say, God, make them punish for this sin? Did Stephen say, God, make them never be next to me in, in heaven? I don't ever want to see them again, if they, even if you let them in heaven. Unfriend them from me eternally. No, he said, forgive them. Don't even hold this sin against them. Why? Because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know why they're so angry. They don't know why they disagree so strongly. They don't know what they're really mad about. And I want to emphasize this part of the story because it deals with a lot of what we're dealing with now. And we should not, as Christians, look to divide, but we need to look to bridge and to be peacemakers. Peacemakers. In the name of Jesus, we need to be peacemakers. And, and the only way that we can do that is if we really solidify our identity and who we are in Christ. We need to be confident and humble at the same time. We need to be open-minded and stubborn all at once. 
And in John chapter 13, verse 3 through 5, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel around his waist. The reason I wanted to share this final verse is because it shows Jesus doing one of the most humble acts recorded in the Bible of washing his disciples' feet. And it, the way it leads to him doing that after it, it gives a description of him having a confident identity in himself and who he is to God. It is only when he had a confident identity in himself, who he was to God, and where he was going to God, that he was able to do one of the most humble acts we see. And it's only through a strong identity. This example that Jesus loved the weak, he rebuked the proud, understood the sinner, and didn't tolerate self-righteous. This strong example that we see did not come out of a need to control the lives or opinions of others. Not out of control, but out of a humble heart that had a strong identity. I hope that in this example we can resonate at what we should strive for, what we should walk towards, how we should be peacemakers, how we should really uh, accept the responsibility we have to influence, and that, and that we really understand the level of our reach. All this being said, I believe that, that we need to pray for unity in our world, in our country. I believe that we need to pray for peace. I pray that we need to pray for understanding. There are so many things that that are just divisive right now. And if we just sit back and wait for it all to be over, it's going to be an ugly scenario. We have to be the peacemakers. We have to lead in the example. And so I hope that after today, you take that that heart seriously of being a personal leader and influencer. You have authority in Christ. And if at any point of this message you feel like you had an impression that you needed to make a, a, a start with God, maybe you realize at some point that you need to start all the way back of taking this, this responsibility of being a Christian seriously. Maybe you've never even made that step in the first place and you need to do that now. And you want to accept Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're renewed Lord and Savior. He's not been there even maybe just in this time of, of, uh, of just immense change. You've been completely away from God and you need to reset that now. Or maybe all of this immense change that kind of shaking your boots. And you're like, man, I really need God. I don't know what's happening next. The Bible says that all you have to do is start with a prayer, a conversation with Jesus, and just acknowledge with your mouth, out loud, who He is. It's saying confess with your mouth, believe in your heart who Jesus says He is, that He did rise from the dead, that He died on the cross and rose from the dead, that He is who He said He is, the Son of God, and that that's all it takes to start this relationship back up again, or even for the first time. And so just pray with me if that's you. Say, Jesus... I really, really do believe you are who you said you are. That you died on the cross for my sins and the sins of the world. 
and that you rose from the dead three days later. I want you to really lead me right now through this time. I need peace. I need your spirit. I need strength. I don't want to feel so lost. I don't want to feel so tired. I need your spirit to revive me. Be the Lord of my life and the Savior to my soul. I want to start this relationship right now. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that with us today, please send us a message. We want to walk with you on this journey. You shouldn't have to do it alone. And it, and if you... If you feel like you uh, you need more assistance, you need you just kind of need to finish that thought. You need to finish that prayer, and you want to know what to do next. Dude, we we want to talk with you. We want to help you. We want to be there with you. Um, and so, all that being said, that that finishes up our message today uh, with personal leadership and authority. I hope that you enjoy this series that we're going through, and I hope that's edifying. Uh, to your faith and to to what we're going through right now, and I really believe that God is is gonna be doing uh, that. He's already working, and that He is doing a greater thing than what we can see. And I I really feel like we are being called and beckoned to pray. And a lot of us haven't prayed in a long time. I mean, we haven't we prayed for simple little things for us, me, myself, I. But we haven't prayed for big prayers. We haven't been praying for our country. We haven't been praying for our our people, our nation, and we need to. Um, So I hope that this series leads us to a stronger place in that. All that being said, if you have it on your hearts to give today, you can do that three major ways. You can either just go online to gravetop.com, click the Give tab. You can give straight online through there. Um, you can, it also shows different ways to give, like through third-party apps such as Venmo and Cash App. And if you're more traditional, you still have a checkbook for some reason. You could always send uh, send your gift that way through the address that's online. Um, but the heart of the giver is what's most important. Why we give matters, and our motivation should never come out of pressure or persuasion, but out of a genuine, authentic heart. And God leads us in the direction of our giving. God leads us in the direction of our, of our giving, of our tithes, and how we ought to do that. And if God is putting it on your heart to connect with Gravetop, and you want to make Gravetop your home church, we, we, we totally appreciate your generosity. We are so grateful that you trust us as stewards with your tithes. But we also want to have a conversation with you about it. We really want to share our heart with you. And so if you feel a renewed heart on starting to send your tithes to Gravetop Church, we'd love to just be able to connect with you and talk with you about it so that we can really cast vision together as as the body of Christ. And it's not just you making a, a, a spiritual deposit. You know what I mean? Um, so if that's you, please send us a message so that we can talk more about it and we can really connect as family. All that being said, we have our home groups tomorrow evening at 6 o'clock. We'd love for you to be a part. Um, we love you guys so much. We'll see you all then. Have a great rest of your day and be blessed. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. 
And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.